Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 216th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 716th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 10th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. All right, and once again, I give credit for this week's banner moment to Jared Morris, who hopefully will be able to join us about midway through tonight's show. But uh, as he wrote here, this week's banner moment occurred today as two important events converged to make it a very important day for the immediate and also medium-term future of Indiana basketball. First event is the beginning of on-court workouts with coaches. As you know, coaches don't have an unlimited amount of time to work with players in the offseason. There's a set number of hours per week, eight, and a max number of hours per day, two, that coaches can work with players. But as we discussed last week, a recent rule change has expanded the number of coaches who can participate in these workouts. It used to just be the head coach and three official assistants, but now two additional non-assistant coaches can work with players on the court. With a new staff in place bringing in new areas of on-court emphasis, plus a total of six new players on the roster, this on-court time will be critical for Indiana to build cohesion and chemistry. The second event is a trio of unofficial visits that were scheduled to take place on Thursday, including Jeremy Fears, the number 23 23 player in the class of 2023, who currently plays for La Lumiere and I believe uh, received a uh, scholarship offer today. At least that's what I I saw before we hopped on here. And any time that talented players step foot on campus, it's a major opportunity for Indiana to make a good impression that will hopefully lead to foundational commitments down the line. Seems like a lot. A lot to you for one day, workouts, and three unofficial visits. It is, and as Jay Horry wrote in our Assembly Call community earlier today, this underscores the importance of the new expanded basketball coaching and administrative staff that Scott Dolson and Mike Woodson have put in place. 20-year NBA coaching veteran Armand Hill was added to that staff this week to go along with Woodson, three assistant Thad Mata, Cliff Marshall, new graduate assistant Isaac Green, who's known for his player development, and a handful of others in basketball administration. So while some people may look at those coaches and think too many cooks in the kitchen, that's really the wrong restaurant metaphor. With so many existing players and prospective players needing attention at one time, it's more like staffing up your restaurant with enough servers to be able to manage a rush. Indiana basketball now has plenty of attention and expertise to go around, and as long as Mike Woodson can keep his staff all on the same page, it can only benefit Indiana in this new, ever-changing, and volatile college basketball landscape. All right, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. Coach is off again this week, and as he mentioned a few weeks back, his wife had surgery this week, so he's taken off a few weeks to be her uh, her man nurse, as this says. Uh, no, uh, you, I'll let you create your own mental image of that, if you will. Uh, we're happy to report that surgery went well. Mrs. Tonsoni's home and recovering, and that really is this week's banner moment. Uh, Jared does say he'll be on later. We'll see about that, but here with me to my right, is the world's most prolific or annoying, depending upon your perspective, San Diego Padres live tweeter. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. And as Jared wrote here, Ryan might be a little distracted tonight, but you need to forgive him because Fernando Tatis Jr. is mired in a 3-for-22 slump that has seen his batting average drop from 299 all the way to 277, 
Meanwhile, James Shields' Chicago White Sox have the second best record in all of baseball. So, Ryan, as this says here, would you like to rant about the Padres or is uh, something else on your mind tonight? Or would you like to save your baseball-related rants for when uh, Jared allegedly joins us later? I'll save them for later because basically the thing that's hilarious to me is Jared had to look up those stats knowing that his beloved White Sox franchise made the boneheaded decision to trade the face of baseball for James Shields, who imploded in his years in in, uh, Chicago. So uh, that actually makes me happy that he put that statistic up there because it meant he had to like look through the statistics and count them up. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I think this week uh, the big news was obviously Tamar Bates and and Logan Duncan getting on campus over the weekend, and and then the video that posted. I think it might have been yesterday or today of Tamar Bates going through the locker room and just kind of, you know, hanging out with his teammates for the first time, and and he was really hyped up, and all the teammates were hyped up for him to be there. I just think he's got that personality. It's sort of a star quality personality, and and I I always refer to Victor Oladipo when I talk about him. And it may not be a one-to-one match skill-wise, but I just think he's got that electric personality that Victor had. And, and I think that that's something that's been missing from Indiana basketball for a while. I think Yogi Farrell had it, but really other than that, I don't think they've had that sort of star quality personality and that sort of, it, it's a weird thing to say, but sort of that walk in the room and you're the center of attention kind of guy. They've had a lot of good kids not the guy that is the guy who is sort of like the focus personality wise and kind of loud and kind of boisterous and all that. We've always talked about silent leaders, guys who were quiet leaders and who led by example. Well, you need the guy who's going to step up and be loud too. And, and I think that's uh, something that they've needed for a long time, sort of an alpha male personality. And and I think that they got it in, in Tamar Bates. So great to see him on campus, working out, getting in there with his teammates, getting to know him and, and we'll see what kind of an impact he has this year. And just, Watching those scenes of he and Logan Duncan moving in over the weekend were, were pretty great. Yeah, I mean, probably much like your experience when you moved in, uh, just like it was mine as you moved to campus and walked into a place that looked like that, right? Is that, is that yeah, a beautiful apartment, completely furnished. Yeah. Nice island in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, all of that, you know, perfectly furnished. Yeah, uh, well-appointed, nice huge TV. Probably, exactly. Probably exactly. air-conditioned, unlike my dorm Yeah. Room. I mean, all kinds of... Where'd you... Wait, it, it, Where'd you live, Andy? I was at Briscoe. I was at Briscoe okay. down the hall from uh, AJ so, Guyton and Luke Jimenez. But uh, you know, when you're on the, nice. I think we were on the ninth, ninth floor, maybe eleventh floor of a building with no air conditioning. It was really, uh, it was, it was comfortable. So I moved in when I moved. Obviously, people know that I moved to uh, Indiana as a transfer. I was 22 when I moved, and so we bought a condo. My family did. Uh, because we figured it'd be better than paying rent for three to possibly four years, given my academic history. But uh, so, but we moved in in late in like the week classes started. So it was like second to last week of August. And you know, I'm from Southern California, where it's very dry. There's not a whole lot of humidity. It's there's an ocean breeze everywhere in San Diego. Moved in, it was 95 degrees with 93% humidity. So that was a wake-up call. Uh, lifting boxes going up several stairs. So uh, it was it was crazy. And uh, we lived in a my, – my buddy who moved out to go to IU with me, um, and I lived in a pretty nice place, but nothing at all like what the kid, the basketball – and you know what? Good for the basketball because I'm glad they're doing that for them and they can all live together in that in that apartment complex. 
All right, so here's what we're going to cover this week outside of our uh, jealousy over the, the living arrangements of the basketball players. Uh, who's your headlines? Uh, the big one this week is about IU's off-season trip that was announced. And then our main topic, it's an off-season AMA. So you send in questions. We have answers. Uh, and then we've got uh, our, our final two segments and, and beyond will be spent answering your questions. So all that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let me find all the right things to... Uh, to actually put on the screen here. All right, here we go. Now we're good. Uh, before we get to your headlines, I want to take a minute and introduce you to Manscaped to provide support for this podcast. Now we've had some laughs over the last couple of weeks because of this sponsorship and it gives us a chance to talk about balls in a different context, but don't let the silliness of the ads overshadow just how good the product is. Manscaped's product line is the best in the industry when it comes to male grooming, starting with the Lawnmower 4.0. With the lawnmower, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. They sent all of us our own lawnmower, and we all agreed that it works better than any other groin grooming solution we've tried. And this is something we obviously talk about as a group of the four of us uh, frequently. Uh, and I know the idea of groin grooming can be as comforting as a trip to the coal center, but fear not. Manscaped's fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Plus, it features wireless charging and a 4,000K LED spotlight when you need it for a more precise shave. And with Father's Day coming up fast, Manscaped's products make a great gift for dads and sons everywhere. Over 2 million men worldwide are already Manscaped, and we have this exclusive offer for you. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code AC at Manscaped.com. Again, that's promo code AC at Manscaped.com for 20% off your order and for free worldwide shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, Ryan, let's hit some Hoosier headlines now. And the big one, as I mentioned uh, before, is the off-season trip to the Bahamas. So it uh, looks like it's August 10th through the 16th. As of now, there are only two games scheduled. Uh, I heard um, I got a chance to listen to podcasts on the brink this week uh, with Alex and, and Zach Osterman. They talked about this a little bit on, the, on, on, that, uh, on that podcast just in terms of you know, whether that really suggests that by design, this trip is a little bit more about, you know, kind of team bonding, building chemistry, getting uh, those extra practices in than it is. Usually these are. Yeah. Yeah. But I know, I mean, they they referenced kind of the last couple of trips that you had where they played more, you know, I think the the Canada trip, they played five games and uh, some of that, I think you can play up to, yeah, I mean, maybe there's less to do. You just wanted to play basketball while you're in Canada as opposed to the Bahamas. You just only want to fill the time of two games with what you're with what you're doing. Leave yourself more time to just hang out. Um, but anyway, so uh, two games against BC Mega of Belgrade, Serbia, uh, which at least uh, at last we saw features uh, Scucci Smith, RG's four-year point guard from Dayton. So huge revenge game there. Um, but IU does get 10 full team practices, and that's really, I think, where the benefit comes in in addition to the – uh, you know, team bonding and, and things like that from an off-season trip standpoint. So, uh, Ryan, thoughts on when, when you heard that news and, and just kind of what you think they'll be able to get out of that overall? Well, let's let's put it this way. After missing out on Maui, they deserved a tropical location, a lot of these guys. I mean, Asheville, lovely as it may be, is not Maui in November. It's Asheville in November. So it was, it's nice that they get to go do something kind of fun and vacation-y uh, as a destination, but yeah, this is about practice. It's about, it's all about team building. I know if they only play two games, I mean, this is about getting out of your comfort zone and getting to bond, doing something where there's no distractions of, you know, family, girlfriends, schoolwork, whatever you've got. It's, I'm sure they will do some schoolwork on this, but it's going to be 
basically spending time together, practicing, and then doing like touristy things. I'm sure they'll go to the beach and get to hang out for a couple days together. They'll get to go do whatever there is to do there and do it together. And so, again, it's just it's a bonding thing where there will be prescribed things they will do. And the thing is they'll be doing it only together. And I think that's what the team building aspect is. There's a reason why the Maui Invitational and a lot of those travel invitational tournaments are early in the season. It's to get guys off campus, get them out of the distraction world and go do something together, have those games, play good competition, but also be alone they build, you know, there's a lot of team building there. You're traveling a long way together and all of that, that really bonds them. And so that's the whole point. It, you know, what, what happens in the games, we shouldn't read into. It's, you know, if they only get two, that's fine. They'll be practicing. They'll be working hard. I'm sure they'll be scrimmaging, all of that stuff. But the whole point of this is just to get the team closer and, and to sort of establish leadership, establish everything you're going to establish and bring the new guys in. And there's a lot of new guys on this roster to bring in and put together. So um, I think, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I think between, like you said, you mentioned the number of new guys on the, on the roster, you've also got so many new guys on the coaching staff. And I think in that, you know, isolate more isolated scenario, it really uh, encourages some of that team bonding that you, that you talked about. And, you know, from a practice standpoint, I think it was Zach on that, that podcast that talked about, you know, likening it a little bit, obviously the timing of it's different, but uh, the extra practices that football teams get when they get to a bowl game and, and some of the things yes. they're able to work on there and being able to really well, get and a lot of, from those. Yeah, and a lot of teams, you know, if they have three weeks to prepare for their bowl game and they have practices, a lot of teams for the first week will take all the young guys, they'll give a break to the starters and have your freshmen and sophomores play a lot in those practices because they're not getting those reps during the season because you got to prep for your next game. And so this is kind of similar. It's you give those guys more reps during the practice, the bowl practice period to give your starters a bit of a rest after the season. And then this is kind of the same thing. You're getting the guys, you know, and of course the whole coaching staff's new too. So, I mean, they'll get to work on things that they haven't worked on before, but really it's about getting the guys that aren't part, weren't part of the team and, and, and bringing them into it as well. And just the team as a whole, getting to maybe establish their personalities, their chemistry, all of that stuff. Well, and I think in games that don't, matter in the in the grand scheme of record and things like that again with the new faces you give yourself a chance to tinker with some different lineup combinations and and things like that to see who's playing well together give guys some experience some of the younger guys so i think a i mean pretty much 100 percent benefit from my standpoint I don't really see any downside you're not giving up anything to go go and do this and you're getting extra time together extra practices so uh, seems like a win. The only, I guess, potential downside for for fans is that the games will not be televised, at least not as of this point. Um, that obviously could change, but I, I, I get the feeling that seems unlikely. Somebody, uh, somebody's going to leak a stream of it. There, there we go. And uh, so, yeah. So I, I assume that means no post game shows, but we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it in uh, in August. Um, uh, you know, other other couple things. You you mentioned one of these. Tamar Bates and Logan Duncan arrive on campus. Uh, looks like they'll be roommates. And then uh, Jared had alluded to it in the banner moment, but they named Armand Hill director of basketball administration. Uh, he worked with Mike Woodson on the Clippers staff from 2014 to 2018, has 15 seasons as an NBA assistant, eight years as the head coach at Columbia, and was the Ivy League player of the year at Princeton. So another uh, well-rounded piece of the uh, of the staff comes into play. Um, any thoughts on, uh, I know you mentioned the, the Bates thing, any, any thoughts on the Armand Hill uh, edition? It seems great. I mean, a lot of people, um, 
uh, you know, a lot of people have praised the hire and, and I don't know a whole ton, you know, a ton about him until today. Uh, I, I didn't know a ton about him until today, but I, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, it seems like a good hire. Everybody's praising it and somebody with a lot of experience and somebody I'm sure that, you know, Mike Woodson is very familiar with. So I think that, uh, as far as a chemistry on the staff, situation and and I think that gets underrated a lot is it's not just about having the highest you know the the top level assistant coaches you've got to have assistant coaches who can work together and who get along and have personalities that mesh and things like that so I know that you always want to get let's go get the top three assistant coaches in college basketball and just bring them in and smash them together and you all have an ace staff well you need to interview those guys you got to make sure that they're personalities match and that's why a lot of times guys who you might think oh that's a lower tier assistant well they might have a great relationship with the other guys on the staff and that's probably that's that's why they get there so um somebody who uh, you know i'm sure that mike woodson knows or at least uh you know other people have recommended to him who he trusts and all that so i think this is a, a solid hire yeah i would i would agree i think kind of fits the bill a guy that that woodson is familiar with and can trust and uh, again another guy with mba experience that that we've talked to Woodson's experience at the NBA. I think having another guy with that kind of experience is useful. And uh, clearly at that standpoint, you know, understands college coaching and player development. And I think as Tyler was uh, mentioned in the chat, it's another guy who with those new rules can help coach in the off season uh, and do some of those things with the players, even when uh, the staff might be out recruiting. So uh, a good point on that as well. All right, so that will do it for the uh, Who's Your Headlines. And when we come back, it's AMA time. You send in a bunch of questions, some IU-related and some not, and we're going to power through all of them next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here all right welcome everybody chat mom well pj tucker just pj tucker just got into it with kevin durant and uh i'm taking tucker in that fight by the way <laughs> he's he's a tough guy yeah he uh yeah i i would probably uh i would probably do that with you there um cool well welcome everybody um other potential banner moment although i don't see her in the chat i think uh tax megan and willis 20th anniversary today so Happy anniversary wow. to them if they are on here, which I don't know necessarily why you would be on your anniversary, but uh, if they were, good. If not, they'll uh, <laughs> pick this up when they listen back later. So, Yeah, um, exactly. All right. So let's see. So we got this, I guess for everybody listening, we got the, uh, we'll do the basketball questions kind of in this segment and the uh, non-basketball ones in the, uh, in the last one. So talk through that. Uh, yeah, it does look like they offered fears on his visit. Uh, I know Joel was saying it looked like his family was having a good time in Bloomington as, as anyone, as anyone should. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how quickly, Oh my goodness, what do we have here? I don't have any music to play for such a, such an occasion, but gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Wow. He's alive. (laughs) You know, 
it's the nice to text or email is the only thing I've seen from Jared in months. It is nice to finally be here on Assembly Call Radio, but the circumstances aren't that great. My daughter is asleep early, but it's because she's like sick and not really feeling oh. well. Oh. So on the downside, she's not really feeling well, so she went to bed early. On the bright side, it's Thursday night and I can hop on Assembly Call Radio. So look at that. Yeah, there you go. You know, we'll right. take what we can we'll take what we can get. Absolutely. Take what we can get. What I miss. Uh, we're you just uh, uh, us in between the first the first segment, so we uh, just talk a little about okay. the off season trip and stuff like that, and getting ready to hop in and answer the questions. Nice, so very all cool. Right. All righty, well, let's start. All right, let's start that now. Hey, this is Max Bielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the assembly call. So how do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about Indiana basketball? It's crazy during the offseason and even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings, rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are already on the list, and we want you to be on there as well. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. Or you can text IU to 66866. Again, that's IU to 66866. All right, I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and Jared Morris has joined us in between segments here. So uh, it is off-season AMA time, and so uh, let's see, what do we have first? All right, so we, like I said in the uh, in the break, we're going to uh, split these up with the hoops-related questions first. Uh, these came in via our private IU basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com slash community, so go there to learn more about it. And uh, all right, hoops, hoops related questions first. So, uh, Robert, with recruits visiting today and for the rest of the summer, which prospects do you want to see most wear the cream and crimson in the class of 2022? Two guys that intrigue me the most are Kyle Filipowski and Jalen Washington. Uh, Ryan, thoughts on, um, you know, thoughts on any of the, the guys that really are at the top of your list of the 2022 class? Well, Jalen Washington has to be number one. He's the top player in the state of Indiana. You always want to get the top player in the state of Indiana. I know there's a lot of competition for him, but five-star big guy with Trace probably leaving after this year, I, I think it's a great fit. Um, I, I, I think that he's a guy who's got a lot of interest in IU, but he's got a lot of interest nationally as well. I mean, it, you know, Teams interested in him. Keeping him at home would be huge. Indiana has had a rough time recruiting the northern part of the state as well for years. That needs to change under Mike Woodson. You can't have just seed the northern half of the state to Michigan State and other schools. You just can't do that. Uh, I think he's number one on the list. I agree. I like Filipowski a lot. A big guy who can shoot it. Something that Indiana hasn't had in a long time since Max Bielfeld, the guy who did our intro right there. Uh, was that planned? Because that was good, guys. Um, but I, I, I wish that I coordinated it that well, but yeah. I, I can't take credit. But for I, I, I think those two guys would be big. I think also you're going to need to find a guard somewhere, but um, you've got CJ Gunn already. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a big class, and it's usually the first full recruiting cycle for a new coach is usually a big class because guys transfer in, guys transfer out. They see how they fit in the system, all that. Um, but I would definitely say that that 
Washington and Filipowski at the top of my list. There are higher ranked guys than Filipowski. I just like what he does. And especially if you're going to do a four out kind of thing, you're going to need people who have some size and can shoot. And, and he's a guy who does that. Jalen Washington to me is the no brainer though, at the top of the heat. Jared, are those the two guys for you? Or uh, I guess feel free to give your thoughts on them, but also if there are any, uh, any guards that, uh, that stand out to you as you look down the list. And so those are both uh, big guys. Yeah, I like both of those guys, um, and I haven't kept up with the recruiting as much this offseason yet in terms of watching some of these guys. So it's just kind of seeing names flash across and seeing you know seeing stars next to their name. And Filipowski, I did actually watch you know some video on, and he looks really really good. You know, anybody who can shoot uh, consistently. I think there's uh, the kid Justin Taylor. I think he's another one who's kind of a wing, uh, who's a pretty good shooter. And then did you guys talk about how we offered a scholarship to Jeremy Fears in the class of 2023 earlier earlier today? Yeah, yeah. You had uh, put that in the, the banner moment, but I, I did tack on that uh, they had given him an offer. Yeah. So, you know, look, I think, you know, this is one of those things. It's it's interesting to try and figure out, you know, which guys you want because, you know, it's a new staff. We haven't yet seen, you know, how they're going to play, kind of what players are going to fit. Although, you know, we kind of feels like we spent four years doing that with Archie and then we got to the end of those four years and we didn't really, still kind of didn't really know who was the right fit and what, you know, what that all would have meant. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see, you know, who they're targeting, um, you know, which obviously is, you know, they're clearly putting a premium on shooting, which is good. They're putting a premium on size. You know, it seems like they really want some versatile defenders. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm really very, very interested to see, you know, what kind of class they end up with. Um, but I, you know, I think Filipowski and Washington are there at the top of the list. And then other than that, you know, get shooters. Cause if we're going to play offense, the way Mike Woodson wants to play offense, we've got to have guys who can make shots. And I think, you know, for a long time in this program, the last four years, you know, we've prioritized a lot of things over shooting in recruiting. And it seems like we're getting back to putting more of a premium on shooting. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I think, you know, the two big guys are interesting as I look down the list, um, just really looking over the the board at uh, at uh, inside the hall, you know, guard wise, you've got CJ Gunn, who's already committed. So that's that's one guy that that fills that role. Uh, but really, you know, Jalen Hood Shafino, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, he's name. the other guy. He's the one that's yeah. ranked uh, one of the highest that's, that's at least on their list. So, um I think that would be a potentially interesting one. It sounds like Kenya Hunter's been doing a lot of stuff with him. Um, so that might be another name to watch. But, yeah, I think Jalen Washington feels like he's at the top of the list just being an Indiana guy and uh, and some of those things. But, uh, yeah, they mentioned him. Seth Trimble is another guard that's on there, though, uh, at least based on this. Michigan seems like a potential front runner, and he also has a brother that went to uh, North Carolina. So uh, be interested to see what happens there. But, yeah, I think, I think big guys feels like, largely the way to go just but it depends a little bit on you know what does Xavier Johnson do how how does some of these new guys work out and uh some of that happened but uh all right that's question one all right so this this one is a little bit related uh from Phil which IU players will move on after the season which recruits are a priority to replace those that do I think touched on this a little bit you know in terms of players moving on you know Trace seems uh, incredibly likely to, uh, to to be somebody that moves on. I think that that feeds into a little bit of you know some of the top names on uh, on people's lists in terms of um, in in terms of recruiting. But you could see it's just odd because you've got some of these guys who've got this extra year, whether they really want to take it or not. Um, 
you know, so a guy like race, Rob Finnessy, um, some of those things, I think it's a little bit hard to, to gauge who wants to take advantage of that free year and who may not. Um, so I don't know if you got anything to add much on that one, but trace seems like the only clear cut one that that's likely to be gone, but otherwise a little bit tough to tough to guess. Yeah, Trace is almost certain. It's crazy that you know you look at the scholarship chart. I'm looking at the scholarship numbers on inside the hall. There's no, there, there's nobody who has to leave. Everybody on the roster could conceivably come back next year if they wanted to, you know, because of the extra year, which is nuts. Um, and certainly, I don't think that'll be the case. You know, I think, you know, Xavier Johnson and Miller Cop are two guys who are transferring from their previous schools and coming to Indiana because they want a different system. They want a way to showcase themselves to get to the next level. And I think if one or both of those guys has the kind of seasons that we hope that they have, they could be candidates to go and, and be ready to start their professional career because they will have played four years in college uh, by that point. You know, and they have skills that are that can translate to the next level if some of the other parts of their game come around. You know, so that'll be interesting to see. And then, you know, I would not, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that Tamar Bates and Logan Duncan, uh, you know, will will probably be back. This will be their first year. You know, I think Bates projects to have a role as a freshman. Um, and I think, you know, Duncan, I don't know what he's expecting, you know, but he's a big man that I'm sure understands, you know, that it's going to take a little bit of development for him. You know, what I think will be interesting is the group of Trey Galloway, Anthony, Leo, Jordan, Geronimo and Christian Lander, all guys with a lot of talent, a lot of potential, you know, but all guys who, you know, have some some people above them, uh, you know, in terms of age and guys who were brought in new this season playing the roles that they may have seen themselves playing before the roster was filled in. And so, you know, how those minutes shake out, how satisfied those guys are with the roles that they end up having, you know, I don't think anybody would be shocked to see one or two of those guys end up moving on to a place, you know, where they feel like it'll be a better fit if this season doesn't go right. And I look, I think we, you know, we like all of these guys. We want all of these guys to be a fit, but with, you know, 13 legit talented players like Indiana has, it's just not possible. So who's willing to be patient? Who's willing to buy into a longer term vision of the program? And who, you know, wants a little more instant gratification in terms of being able to play and have a role that they like? Um, it's I think it would be silly to try and project it. But I think it would also be silly to say, oh, yeah, all four of those guys will definitely be back in the new age of college basketball. So I don't know who it'll be. But I will not be shocked if one or two of those guys at the end of the year decides they want to try another place. Yep. Uh, this one from Brian. After watching Rob Finnessy play in high school and seeing his confidence go down every year with the Miller regime, I'm hopeful that his confidence will look more like it did in high school with the change of coaches. Am I delusional? And what do you guys think this year will look like for Rob? You know, I'm starting to see more and more of this. Uh, the Rob Finnessy senior year fan club is uh, it's filling up. People haven't learned their lessons from the last few years, apparently. Um, but by you know, people, I love do you mean about, you, or is that <laughs> is that directed at others? Well, I would think that people would have learned their lesson from me. Um, <laughs> but see, I love this about Indiana fans. You know, look, this is the thing. You give Indiana fans three good years, even if the basketball isn't great. But if you're there and you play hard and you do the right things and you stick it out, Indiana fans are going to be behind you. And I think that's what we're seeing here from Rob Finnessy, which is, you know, as has happened before, an entire fan base trying to will this to happen because we want it so badly for the guy because we saw it as a freshman. He's made big shots. He's had these flashes. And now, you know, this is this might be his last go around. Who knows? He would he would have another year, too. 
you know, and, and the narrative got a little jolt with some of the comments that Dane Fife made. You know, I think a lot of people know that Dane Fife struggled with anxiety and struggled with his confidence. Uh, and he's kind of talked about taking Rob Finnessy under his wing. And I think we've all viewed Rob as a guy that has the tools to be an above average point guard in the Big Ten, but just needs to have a more consistent mentality, a more consistent confidence in himself. So that's where this narrative is coming from. And I think it's also coming from, you know, we've now had three seasons to see Rob in this role as primary distributor and kind of your number one perimeter defender. And the number one perimeter defender part, for the most part, he's done a pretty good job of. Number one ball handler, number one distributor, he's really struggled with. He's been really up and down with. Well, with Xavier Johnson in, Xavier Johnson's now going to be that guy. And hopefully Christian Lander is 1B to Xavier Johnson's 1A. And that allows Rob Finnessy, I think, to settle into a role that maybe he's is more conducive to him building confidence and being more productive on offense, which is kind of a secondary creator who can focus on playing defense and knocking down open shots, you know? And so, you know, and, and maybe being able to attack some more closeouts and do some different things as opposed to maybe running as many pick and rolls and having to, you know, lead and transition and do some of those things that he struggled with. So I think you kind of add all of that up, kind of mix it into the stew. And that's where I think people are kind of having some confidence. That's where my confidence is coming from with him. It's a lot of ifs and buts and question marks that have to be answered. I think the most likely scenario is that what we see from Rob as a senior is mostly what we saw from him as a freshman, sophomore, and junior, because that's usually what happens. But I think there is a narrative that you can grasp onto that he could have a bit of a senior year renaissance in this new system, on this new roster, because I think it should be more conducive to what he's shown us he can kind of do most consistently. So that's what I'm hoping for. So what was the word? Delusional? <laughs> um, yeah, Brian, are you delusional? Yes, you are delusional, just like I'm delusional, just like we're all delusional but it would not be any fun being a fan if we weren't delusional. So hold on to your delusions because your delusion is about pumping up a guy who's in his fourth year who deserves every bit of our respect and admiration and and cheering and hoping that he that he can you know kind of fulfill the promise that we've seen. So let's all be delusional together. Hop aboard the Rob Finnessy senior year fan club bandwagon and let's go. It's going to happen one of these years. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the first thing that came to mind when I saw this question was the comments that Fife had made uh, about him. And, and I think to a certain extent, talked about at the time, you know, Fife may see a little bit of himself there and listening to the, the Hoosier Hysterics interview with Fife. Uh, you know, I forget whether it was part, you know, one, one, two or six, whatever, whatever it was when they talked to him. But, you know, just talking about his, you know, crisis of confidence that he had in terms of shooting and some of those things. And I think, you know, Brian brings this up in the question a little bit of just seeing Rob's confidence deteriorate. So I do think you like to see fantasy feeling like he has an advocate for him in terms of a guy like Fife who knows what he's been through and the pressure and some of those kinds of things. So I think if you look at it that way, and I view it a little bit to tie this in with the last question in terms of you know, who's going to be here next year, Rob would potentially get that other year. And if this is a year that he, the, the, the staff and, and he is able to kind of get things back on track, he's a guy that you'd love to see stick around for a fifth year. If he can really, you know, build and kind of get some of that confidence back, build into that, that year. And I think the amount of, you know, while his playing time may, may drop off, I think given all the newcomers, that seems likely, uh, I, I think he might be able to settle into a role that, that he can flourish in. At least that's kind of what you, you hope to see. Uh, Ryan thoughts on, on Rob and, and what reasonable expectations are for him heading into this season. 
first of all, Jared's doing it again. And it's, you know, sad to see. It's old habits there. No, I'm just kidding, Jared. Um, what I would I'm going to be myself, Ryan. <laughs> well, you haven't been on for so long. I don't know what you're like anymore. <laughs> um, I'd forgotten. Uh, no, I would say about Rob, I think one of the things that's going to work to his benefit is the lack of pressure on him because more is expected of other people. Uh, and so really, if Rob... If I told you today that Xavier Johnson and Christian Lander played the majority of the point guard minutes or, or the lead guard minutes and Rob just kind of fell into the background, everybody would be like, well, okay, because that probably means that Johnson and Lander did really well, like, you know, developed and, and turned into something really good. That puts Rob in a place where there's no pressure on him to be good. If he just is who he is, he can finish out his final year, transfer or just move on with his life, whatever he wants to do. That I mean, that puts him in a place where anything you get from him beyond what he's been before is a huge bonus to this team. And so it puts him in a position to, A, have a chip on his shoulder and surprise people, uh, and also to work really hard and focus on maybe doing less and, and, and focus on a few things, like maybe just developing his shot and not working about driving working on driving, maybe be a defensive specialist, maybe be this, maybe be that, and not have to be the all-everything point guard that he's had to be for this team over the last three years. I think it puts him in a position to succeed, whereas I think a lot of people would say that all those new guys coming in just adds pressure on him. I think it doesn't because of the position he's been in so long. You're the point guard at Indiana. There's a lot that comes with that, and now he doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah, if he winds up being the starter and taking the line share of the minutes and playing as much as he has the last few years, great. But if he doesn't, there's other guys there to help out. In the past, it's been if he doesn't do it, there's nobody behind him to help out. And it also means that if he has up and down games, there's guys who could take those minutes and fill in. So again, there's just not the level of pressure there has been before. Here's the one thing that I will say. You know, I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot less pressure on Rob, especially offensively, because of what Xavier Johnson brings, you know, because now of the shooting that you're going to have with Parker Stewart and Tamar Bates and some of these other guys. But Rob is going to be extremely important. If this Indiana team is going to reach its ceiling, which I think a lot of us think if they reach their ceiling, they're a top three or four team in the Big Ten. You know, they're a top 15, 20 team in the country. I'm not predicting that, but if they reach their ceiling, that's what they are. And I think Rob plays a very important role there because his defense is going to be extremely important. Xavier Johnson has a lot of defensive tools, but he's a gambler and not a very disciplined defender. You know, we don't really know what Parker Stewart is as a defender. Tamar Bates is a freshman who's not going to be that physical. Christian Lander is a developing defender at best. All of these guys have things they do well, playing good, solid, disciplined defense, not one of them. Rob is the guy who brings that. And so I think for this to not just be kind of an all-offense perimeter, you need Rob to be a guy who's there as your defensive anchor who can also step up and knock down 35 to 40% of his threes. If he can do that, kind of be your three and D guy as as a perimeter player, you know, almost play the role that OG Ananobi played on the 2016 team, but as a guard, that's where this team kind of is unlocked. If he doesn't, and if you can't play him offensively, and now you don't have his defense out there, there's going to be a team that's very explosive, but is going to give up a lot of points too. So that's where I think he's really, really important. You know, not just a luxury, but I think if this team's going to be its ideal self, you want him playing. 22 to 25 minutes because he's going to be the best defender out on the perimeter. All right. Next question from Kathy. 
And this is we've probably three guys who can't answer this question, but we are not afraid to ask it anyway. Uh, can someone help us understand the difference in roles and responsibilities between Thad Mata and Armand Hill? So Thad Mata is official title, associate AD for men's basketball. Armand Hill, director of basketball administration. Who wants to take a crack at uh, understanding no what, idea. The, what these things are? No, I, I, what it looks like to me is that Thad Mata is more of an overview of the program kind of guy. And it seems like this new hire would be more in the weeds on specific tasks as opposed to sort of being the czar in charge of Indiana basketball. Um, the director of basketball administration, I'd, I'd assume that has a lot to do with recruiting coordination, uh, transfer portal coordination, which has become huge now that almost needs its own guy. Uh, maybe, you know, travel, figuring out travel, figuring out schedules, figuring out, you know, you know what I mean by travel is figuring out so you're not playing three teams on the road in a row outside of the Big Ten or, you know, I mean, things like that. But do you like think that. this guy is going to do that? His experience no, is no. the NBA. So I would think he's more probably... No. He's, but I well, would think he's going to be above somebody who does things like that and, and specifically. Yeah. And yes, I think that also he'll he'll deal with, you know, I'm sure he'll be on court practicing and things like that. That's what the title says to me. I don't know what he'll actually be doing. I mean, they give people titles that have, I mean, I remember one time there was a, uh, you know, in college football, there was a, a guy, I forget what team it was, but their run, their offensive running game coordinator was their secondary coach. It's, it's, you know, the titles don't really mean anything. It's a way to pay a guys to pay guys at a certain level. Um, so I don't know. You, specifically that, what was that at USC? Them. Did they totally like botch that and just have guys that didn't know what they were doing? It might have been USC, given the way the football program has been run the last couple of years. But no, I've seen that a couple of places where a defensive guy is like the passing game coordinator. And it's like, guys, but it's it's just a way to add a title to give a guy extra money. So the titles at these at these levels don't necessarily directly correlate with what they're doing. Um, So I don't know exactly what he'll be doing. My guess is by the title, it'll it'll be some of that stuff. Jared, what's your speculation on this? Well, (laughs) I mean, we have no idea. No, but I, th- I think we can pretty safely say this. Thad Mata is working really closely with Scott Dolson. You know, he's the associate athletic director for men's basketball. So he's working really closely with Scott Dolson. Like, I don't I don't know. I haven't heard recently, like, is Thad Mata even moving to Bloomington? Or is he going to stay in Indianapolis? Like, how much is he going to be there on a day-to-day? I don't know. Armand. You should watch our show from last week with a guy. His name's. Uh, yeah. Well, I got a lot Mark, of catch Mark Titus. Yeah. <laughs> he was really good talking about that. Yeah. Well, and so Armand Hill, I think he's going to be reporting directly to Mike Woodson. This is Mike Woodson's guy. Right. And so I think, I, do we know what they're going to do? No. But I think we I think we do have a pretty good idea that Thad Mata is going to be very involved in recruiting. And I think very involved in helping Mike Woodson create the scaffolding for a basketball program that you need. Cause Mike Woodson hasn't been through big 10 season and some of that stuff kind of help him get through that and what that structure needs to look like. Armand Hill, you know, he's been a college basketball coach he had eight years, I think at Columbia, uh, but he spent a lot of time in the NBA. So what are the skills he brings to the table? I can't imagine he's going to jump right in and be doing a ton of administrative stuff, you know, like planning schedules and stuff like that. Maybe he'll do some of it, but I would have to think that he's going to be there with Mike Woodson, helping him put a system in, build relationships with players, do some, you know, probably the transfer portal st- type stuff. I could see him doing some of that. I, I also think it's going to be a lot of like high level designing of 
offense and analysis yeah. of the offense and the defense and, and things like that as well from a scouting perspective, from a, you know, reviewing tape of the team and helping, you know, I think that sometimes coaches need another set of eyes on that video and yes. film and all that. And I think that he's probably going to be involved in that as well. And helping to reinforce this new culture of Indiana basketball, which is one of really focusing on helping prepare guys to get to the next level. And this is another coach who's been there can do that. So, you know, so I think all that stuff, like on a day to day, who knows that it'll probably ebb and flow and evolve. Um, but that, I think what we traced is probably a pretty good outline of what it'll look like. All right. Last one. Elbows in. At what part during the offseason would you expect the coaching staff to know if this team is good? And which coach do you think will be the first to know? Brand new coach with uh, brand new coaches with college experience, NBA coach with no college experience, or uh, or the returning coach. So, uh, Ryan, I'll, or Jared, I'll throw this one to you first. Um, you know, when do you think when do you think they know, and who uh, who, who figures out first whether this team's going to be any good or not? Gosh, at what point during the off season would you expect the coaching staff to know if this team is good? Yes, I would say. You know, look, I think you're going to learn a lot from the trip because you have 10 practices. You're going to actually play a couple of games. So I think you're going to get some sense, but I don't even know that I would say that. I think when you'll really know if this team is good is once they come back for the start of regular practice, you know, and how much how much farther are they ahead than where they started, you know, for right now or when those 10 practices start for Baham for the Bahamas, how much did that time, the camaraderie they built, the understanding of the system, how much did that grow to now when you're actually starting to prep for the season? And I would think those first few practices of when you're starting to prep for the season, I would think that's when you'd start to really get an understanding because now the guys have built some chemistry. They kind of understand things. And, you know, whereas you may see, you know, those first 10 practices are probably going to be all up and down. Do you start to see the guys make some quantum leaps in terms of their ability to play together once they've had that entire experience? So that's what I would be looking toward. And I guess, I mean, if I had to pick one coach, I would probably say it would be either Kenya or Dane Fife because they've been around the college game the longest. They've both been through the Big Ten. I think they would have the best idea of what are the earmarks of a team that's going to be, that has a chance to win some games in November and December, but also be good in February. I would probably trust their opinions the most on that. Ryan, what about you? I'd say yeah, Fife and Hunter are the because they they know college basketball. Uh, I and I, I agree with Jared on the time. I think if you're talking off season, like before the season tips off, it's going to be right before the season tips off because again, there's so many new pieces. It's going to be hard to know how good you'll be until you see them kind of working together extensively on the court. I think the Bahamas trip will be an indication, but I also think that you know when you start up practices in the fall you'll see like, oh, somebody learned to shoot, you know, and somebody learned how to do this and somebody looks like they, you know, you'll start to kind of figure it out. Like Miller Cop is definitely the guy from 2019, not 2020. You know, I mean, it's, I think that you'll start to sort of put those pieces together and it'll be as close to the season as as possible. I think because teams can transform over the summer and, and when guys get back in there and start practicing again, I think, I think they'll have, uh, I think they'll have a good idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily have additional thoughts on the timing uh, in terms of who. I, I, I'll throw Woodson in there, uh, one because he's the head coach, but two, and perhaps more importantly, I mean, he knows what system he's trying to run, and if that's different than things that Hunter and Fife have spent a bunch of time around, he may have a better gauge on how quickly they're picking it up, how well that 
uh, it, you know, what he's doing is translating and if they're, you know, things are kind of on the progression that he wants to see, but, um, could see that one either way, but yeah, timing wise, I think that'll be difficult. I, you know, the, I think this trip to the Bahamas will give some indication by the time you get to the end of that trip, by the time you've gotten those practices in those couple games. Um, but there's also a long time between when that ends and when the season really starts that a lot of other things can, can happen at that point, just through practices, other guys, you know, earn more minutes and, uh, based on how they play. So it'll, it, that, that part will be interesting. That'll give us at least a glimpse, but, uh, what we'll kind of see after that. All right. Well, coming up in our last segment, we'll do some subscriber shout outs and then answer your non-basketball questions. Plus the mediocre question of the week from Jay Horry. Stick around with us for that here on the assembly call. Welcome, we're here with Jess, who is enjoying a cozy night in. That's right, and she's lighting up. Is that candle? Triple wick pumpkin spice, yes. Oh, she is setting the harvest mood. Is that a tasteful autumnal wreath? Someone's been to Marshall's again. Well, with quality home decor at great prices, what's stopping her? Oh, and a cozy blanket to top it all off. That is so fall. Better get to Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at at Marshall's. Marshall's. All right. We got some Miller Cop love in the uh in the chat here. Will Miller Cop be the second leading scorer? Not that it matters, just curious. Who do you guys no, think is going to be? I think he could be third. I think he could be could third. Be. I think Xavier Johnson um, will be second. Yeah, Xavier Johnson could have the ball a lot. Yeah. That, that was that was what I was going to say. If he can get to the free throw line, knock down free throws, be huge. Um that's the other thing this team has to do. I know we talk about three-point shooting and everything. I know that falls under the shooting, but they're two different skills, I think. And and free throw shooting has got to be moving forward. There's no excuse for Indiana not being able to shoot free throws. I think fans I mean, at this point, if those are two different skills, I think fans are willing to settle for one out of two. That's fair, and it'd probably be three-point <laughs> shooting, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but I do think those are two different skills because you know three-pointers are in the flow of everything and and, you know, you know, free throws, you got to stand and think about them. And I think that 90% of it is mental and repetitions. I mean, those are the only it's hard, too, when, like, being a bad free throw shooting team just became part of our program's identity. Yep. It's hard to shake, you know. So now with a fresh start, hopefully that, hopefully we can change that. You know, Woodson's coming from the NBA where, you know, teams shoot like 75% from the free, from the free throw line, you know. So, yeah. Uh, you guys can go ahead and start the next segment. I need to uh, be right back. I need to grab Madeline for something. Take two seconds. I need to ask her something. Here I come, Madeline. Basically. (laughs) All right. You're back. He he (laughs) might want to. Well, there you go. I was like, he 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 might want to mute himself. Maybe turn the mic off. He he took care of it eventually. Okay. He's going to say, we'll get some some drops. He's not going to want played again. That's entirely possible. All right. That is possible. All right. We can start. Yeah, we might as well get, get going. All right. Here we go. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Jared Morris, and it's segment three. Which can only mean that it's time for 
subscriber shout out subscriber shout out all right jared do you want to take this subscriber shout out or do you want me to uh want, want me to do it sure i can do this one i'm, I'm happy to i'm happy to if you want but no th- this one is this one is pretty epic actually this is from howie uh who lives in los angeles and how he really goes to town with his answer about who his assembly call leader is. So we'll get to that in a second, but we'll start with his favorite player. So how he wrote for his favorite player, boy, do I love a good guard. Yogi's quote, organized chaos probably makes him my favorite. I loved Jordy's shooting though. That quick release always got me out of my seat. Finally, AJ Moye played with such infectious emotion, hard to leave him off the list. So Yogi Frail, Jordan Halls and AJ Moye, tough to argue with any of those three guys, three fan favorites there. Now, for his assembly call leader, how he said, I love all of the main four. Okay. Now here we go. Cause he describes this. He says, I would probably say you Jared are my favorite as you are such a great host. The pacing of the show is never better than when you are at the controls. We also tend to see things the same way. Most recent example being, I do think that the quote, IU fans are impatient unquote take is lazy. The majority of IU fans have been pretty patient. All things considered. Do we think that Duke, UNC, Kentucky fans would be tolerant of not making the tournament multiple years in a row, let alone five? It is also about trajectory. If Archie had made another incremental step forward this year and had a couple of recruits lined up that made sense, I think the majority of fans would have continued to be patient. I'm still baffled by the roster decisions. The fact that he did not bring in any additional shooters last offseason. Also, I think people forget Lander was not a slam dunk to be on the roster until mid to late summer. If he had been, who was, or if he hadn't been, who was going to be the secondary ball handler behind Rob? Al? Trey? So quite a rant there that Howie <laughs> went into, which is awesome. He goes on to say, Ryan's rant makes me feel better when we play bad. Appreciate his honesty without making it personal and love his walk-up music. I have to give Coach the Hustle Award because of just how much he has grown as a host over the last year. I could tell early on that he was really nervous doing it, and it made me a little nervous listening, but he now seems like he really has the hang of it. And I'm just happy to listen when he is at the helm, when you or Andy aren't. <laughs> Subtle dig at Ryan. Yeah, he's another, he's another, <laughs> he's another Ryan should never host guy. I like this guy. <laughs> That's not Ryan should never uh-huh, host. Uh-huh, he's just yeah, accepted no. that it's never going to happen. I'm on Team Howie right now. And then he says, Andy brings a sense of calm that really rounds out the group. So that was awesome, Howie. And I just, I love just the impromptu rant that he went into there in the middle. And for his special acknowledgement, how he wrote, I would love to call out my wife, Robin, who has not only learned the names of the IU players, but will even watch the game from time to time. Also, after the game, regardless of the outcome, she knows that I need to go listen to the assembly call to be among friends. Which next is awesome. level, next level, Howie, is she learns the names of all the hosts of the show you watch after the game. That's where that's where you kind of take it to the next you know, rung on that line. And then you learn the chat mob members. There you go. And then you it's, really it's a process. Go it's a process. She'll level. get there. She'll get yeah. there. Yep. Uh, so that was awesome, Howie. We'll make that our only subscriber shout out because I think that one deserves to stand on its own. No need to try to have someone compete with that. So thank you, Howie. We appreciate it. And we, we very much uh, enjoy being the friends that you hang out with after the games. That's why we're here. So thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, now we'll hit the rest of the mailbag. All questions, again, submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. First up. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. 
All right. So this week's question, you are named Emperor of Indiana University Athletics, a position that comes with unchecked power of all things IU sports and an unlimited budget. What is the first thing you do? Jay said he would start, although this could have easily been Ryan just writing this in, but he said, I'll start. I'm building a new basketball arena. So Ryan, I'll throw this to you first so that you can just piggyback off of what Jay, uh, what Jay provided. Cause I have a feeling that's the direction that you would go. Mediocre question, but a fantastic answer. Yes. I'm building a new state of the art arena. One that is, has the ability to be adjusted over time built in for the fact that, you know, in 20 years you may need to re rejigger some things around and, and do some different things with it. That's fully adaptable for the future. Something that assembly hall at times, it's been very difficult to make those changes because of the way it's built and the construction of it. Um, but yes, I would start building a new arena. I think 50 years is enough. Uh, we're, we're coming up on 50 for, assembly hall. And by the time the new one would be built, it'd probably be almost there. Uh, I am yes, hundred percent building a new arena at, at Indiana. Indiana deserves that. I think Indiana, you look around the country at the places that have built new arenas, they're amazing. And I think Indiana it's come, it's come to the time where it's, yeah, I know they just gave it a facelift, but it's still the same old arena. The, the memories there will never be taken away. And people say that, Oh, it's just so loud in there. How would you give it up? It's loud in there because of the fans. It's loud in there because of the crowd and because of the the personality and attitude of the fans. And that will happen wherever they go. And you can also build a new arena specifically with great acoustics. I mean, you can do that. And um, I just think the problem with assembly, uh, assembly Hall is the balcony. And I feel like there's maybe, you know, five rows of good seats in the balcony. And it's a huge thing. And if you're automatically cutting that many people out, you're seeing fewer and fewer, fewer and fewer students go when they have balcony seats. It's a problem that needs to be addressed, and there needs to be a new arena with with better seats. All right, so Jared, try to look past your potential uh, disagreement with Ryan's point. What would you do as your uh, as your your first act as emperor of IU athletics? I do still disagree with that point, but I'm begrudgingly coming around on it a little bit. I have to admit, um, there have been some compelling arguments made about it. Uh, it's tough for me to separate being a kid going to assembly hall and never thinking about that being different, but there are, as time goes on, the arguments start to, to be more compelling to me. Um, my first instinct for this was put a statue of Bob Knight outside assembly hall. I think at some point that should happen, but if we're talking about all of IU athletics and you're naming me, the emperor of Indiana university athletics, I actually think the first thing I would do is set up a meeting with Tom Allen and make sure he has everything he needs. And the reason I say that is because opportunities to really double down on IU football have been few and far between in the history of our school. And we've really got it now. And it kind of feels like we did just double down on it. We gave Tom Allen a lot of money. We've given him a lot of the things that he needs. I would go to him again and say, what else do you need? Because I think we've really got a chance here to do something special with football. And I think that boat rising raises all of the other boats. That doesn't mean that you forget about all of the other programs. I think Indiana basketball is still the flagship sport and still needs a lot of help. But I think we are in a really unique time for football right now, and we should do everything possible to maximize it. So that's the first thing I would do is go to him and see if there's anything else we can do for him that would help him make Indiana football even better and build something that's going to last even longer. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I think those are in some ways the first 
at least some variation of those, the first two things that I, I thought of. I think from a, a basketball arena perspective, I think you have to ask yourself if you if you think that it shouldn't be brand new. What what can what does all that money really allow you to do to the current setup, and does it solve the issues that that you feel like are there? And I think eventually, it's kind of the the unchecked uh, budget piece of this that says, even if you had a you know no budget, what what would you really you know how much can you do based on the footprint of where Assembly Hall is and different things like that. And then Jared, to your point, I thought a, a little bit of the Tom Allen of, you know, what do you, what else do you give him to be able to sustain that momentum? I will say Richie had a good one in the chat. Um, he said, build an actual hall of fame building for, uh, That'd be awesome. something that really like you know, cook hall does some of that where you <laughs> can get in and, and see some of the history of the basketball program. But I think some things that would really provide, you know, additional history of the, uh, of uh, sports, Ryan is raising his hand now. Apparently, yes, which is I suppose well, I don't, than interrupting, I, but this is yeah. yes a little bit a little bit unsettling. But all right, go ahead. Uh, what I would say is, in the new basketball arena, you could have a huge Hall of Fame attached to it. You know, I mean, you can do those things, um, and a lot of places have done that kind of stuff. I mean, look, I, Memorial Stadium they didn't tear down, but it's essentially a brand new stadium. They have at what they've added to it and what they've redone with that stadium. They've essentially given the football team a brand new stadium with a massive weight room and, and all the things you need. And of course you need to constantly be updating that because the second you build something, your rival is building something better the next day. And so that's just the arms race in college sports these days. But you know, here's the other thing about that arena that I would say is when kids walk into it, yeah, it has the banners. And it has some, oh, this is assembly hall feel, but the facilities are not that great and they haven't been for a long time. And you can only do so much with a facelift on it. Uh, and so they're going to other arenas that are built in a way that they can be almost completely gutted and rebuilt and going to those places with better locker rooms, better this, better that, better whatever, constantly. And so I, I do think that eventually we've got to come to this point. It's going to happen now or in 10 years or 12 years. They're not just going to keep giving assembly hall facelifts. Eventually they're going to replace it. It's not going to be the barn. It's just not where you have it for a hundred years. And so at some point they do need to, to consider that. And they talked about it like 15 years ago, they got approval to build the new one and then they just went away. Yeah. All right. We've got a few other ideas in the chat, build a better indoor practice facility, Additional stands in the outfield of Bart Kaufman. Uh, let's see. Yeager I love statue. the idea of a full IU Sports Hall of Fame, by the way. I think that's a great idea yeah. because there's so idea. much great history. And let, let Chris Williams be the curator. IU yeah. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of speaking of the great Chris Williams IU Artifacts, his question oh, is up next. Segue. That was well done. Well done. That's why uh, that's why Howie said that things move better when you were the host because of segues like that. Uh, what what is what is one thing you would have done differently during your collegiate years in Bloomington? Uh, oh, uh, Jared, that's how we request to talk on the show now, right? Uh, apparently, we do. Yeah, it, which is I'm great trying to if, be nice over here. And these which guys is are making fun. which is great if I had a, another screen, but and I didn't have to pull up the questions. You were the I kid wasn't in elementary looking at you school. when I did whatever. Brian, you were the kid in elementary school, weren't you? That's like, you couldn't like sit in your chair when you had something to say. No, like standing I, I up, raising your hand. No, I absolutely was the kid who didn't. I have changed over the years, Jared. <laughs> I have changed dramatically over the years. Uh, okay, what is one thing you would have done differently during your collegiate years in Bloomington? Uh, 100% without a doubt, I would have studied abroad. 
it was the thing I regretted almost immediately upon graduating. And I was like, why did I not do this? There was always like some reason to not do it. And looking back, the reason was always not as important as 18 or 19 or 20 year old Jared thought it was. I would have studied abroad. It would have been a great experience. That, that one's easy for me. I wish I'd done it. Ryan, what about you? I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I probably would have utilized the resources at IU more, like for internship programs and things like that. Uh, I wish that the program I went to was run by Galen at the time, um, the sports media program. It didn't exist, but I, I would have utilized all the things that are available uh, to you. Also, I you know definitely should have gone out I mean, I went out a lot. I definitely should have gone out more because I miss it now. When I, when I miss Knicks, I miss you know getting to go out. That, that that also bleeds over to when I lived there as well for the years after I graduated. I should have, I should have, you know, taken more advantage of the fact that the nightlife in Bloomington is awesome. I mean, I already I did go out a lot. I went out two three nights a week, but I mean, I was doing fine in school. I could have done more. Yeah, I mean one of my first thoughts was never left, but that, that seems unrealistic. Um, yeah, I think a, a, little bit of, a little bit of what Ryan said, um, for me, probably, you know, going out a little bit more instead of, um, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit less studying a little more of, of that. Uh, I probably would also have, whether it was the sports media, which I know wasn't the same thing. Then I majored in math. I didn't ever really know what I wanted to do with it. Um, in retrospect, probably would have gone a different uh, different direction of study, which I should have figured out pretty early on when they my advisor told me how many more semesters of calculus I had to take, and I about fell out of my chair. So that should have been my mm-hmm. first uh, red flag. But you know, what are you gonna do? You should have done a self study and made and just created a bracketology major. Absolutely. I don't know Seriously. what exactly classes you would have put together. I for have. That. I, I would. I'd, I'd love him to build a bracketology major, and somebody be like, "So, what are you gonna do with that?" no no idea no idea (laughs) all right uh next from josiah andy ryan and jared what is your favorite tv show movie or novel released within the last 10 years oh god gosh that's hard that is hard released within the last 10 years approximately he said so give yourself yeah give yourself some freedom if if you need it i'll go off the board Uh, go ahead andy if you're going first go ahead please uh, i I mean I, I don't. Uh, the only one that came to mind for me was TV show. I I love The Office, so I would probably say I would probably say that uh, of those. Is that um, released in the last ten years? That was no. He said approximately. He said approximately. Well, how long no. has it been since it's been on? Has it's it been, been that like long? Don't make me feel seventeen years. Don't make me yeah. feel that old. I feel like it's been a while. Okay. I was in school when it came out. Uh, that's Madeline's favorite show too, by the way. All right. Uh, ahead, I here's here's an off the board one. You know, so that I feel super old when I realize when it when it was released. That'll that'll so be there there depressing. there's some great ones like you know Breaking Bad, Mad Men, all of those. I'm going off the board with one that a lot of people don't know is Halt and Catch Fire. Everybody should watch that. It's one of the best, most underrated dramas of the last day. You've recommended that several times. Yes, watch it. It it's weird. It's not a subject. It, it's about people in computers in the late '70s, early '80s to start. And it's not a subject I was interested in, but I just kind of got caught up watching it because it was on at the same time as or right after some other stuff. And it is phenomenal for year four four seasons. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so to get circle back, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, The Office was originally released in 2005, ended in 2013, which I, I was thinking I'll, ca- I'll the count. End, it. I guess. Would, yeah. Well, really. anyway. it's a great show. 
Uh, it Jeff Marlowe in the chat going with Ted Lasso. That 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 has rapidly uh, well, approached it for me. I was at, yeah, I was going to say Ted Lasso too because that's a great show. Um, Shit's Creek is great. Yeah, I mean the show that I liked the best, enjoyed the most was Breaking Bad for sure. You know, it's yeah. kind of an easy one. Um, I would say the other show that that I really liked. You know, Heather and I have kind of gotten on this thing where we just kind of want like some nice, easy thirty minute comedies because we don't have too much time to watch shows. Uh, Shit's Creek was phenomenal. We got through the first four episodes and we're like, the show is not very good. <laughs> like, why do why does everybody like this show? And then we decided to power through it, and it I got told off. you to. So I yeah, I think we had that conversation. I think we we all had that conversation. Yeah. yeah, you just have to power through for a little bit at the beginning. Yeah, lot, here's the thing: give, give shows a season. If you start yeah. a show, give it a season because guess what? A lot of times they have the idea for the first episode, they get the show bought, and then they're like, "Oh God, we got to write ten or thirteen of these." Yeah, and they figured out like Breaking Bad was great off the bat. And it was almost like they didn't expect to get a second season. And the beginning of season two, Breaking Bad is one of the best shows ever made. The beginning of season two is really slow yeah. because it was like they had all the ideas for and used them all in season one. And then season two, they're like, all right, what is this show now? And there are shows like that. You'll see it. And knowing some people who are in Hollywood from growing up out here, they tell you all the time, like, don't get sucked in by a pilot. Or 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 the because the pilot's usually really good, and then the next few episodes they're just figuring out what to do. So it sometimes can take a full season, maybe two, uh, to to really figure itself out. You you know another show that we started watching kind of randomly that is really weird, <laughs> but really like strangely entertaining is what we do in the shadows. On oh, that's great! FX. What we do in the shadows is hilarious. <laughs> really it's, funny. Have you seen the movie? <laughs> no. Okay, the movie is what kicked it off. The movie is fantastic, especially if you're liking the show. Watch the movie. It's Was, did, did Jermaine Clement do the movie too? Yes. They, they Jermaine Clement and Taika ah. Waititi did the movie and then okay. they did the TV show. Okay. And Taika Waititi is a genius. And so is Jermaine. But yeah. Uh, so, all right. okay. yes. There we go. Uh, all right. Jeff Marlowe. It's summertime and basketball is a little slow. Let's ask a, the panel a baseball-related question. Top three baseball movies. His were Bull Durham Major League and For Love of the Game. Those are okay. But he's missing the Sandlot right off the bat. And the Natural. Come on. And the Natural. Yeah, I think that's the point of the question. The first two that came to mind. It's difficult. Yeah, Sandlot. So Bull Durham kind of turns into a Bull Durham kind of turns into a love story at the end, and I I love Bull Durham up until that point, and I kind of stop watching towards the end, like if it's on TV or something. I Major League, I love Major League makes me laugh to this day every time. Uh, the Natural is one of my favorite movies ever made. My dad introduced it to me when I was like five, and I watched it constantly. Yeah. And uh, I would say, yeah, Sandlot's in the mix. Um, no, no, Sandlot's not in the mix. It's Sandlot in the mix is, for me. I, I love it's it. In the top, I, it's yeah. in the top three. Nobody said, but you're uh, talking about, you know, Field, Field of Dreams has not been mentioned. Moneyball was thrown uh, out. Yeah, in the yeah chat. See, Field, Field of Dreams, Dreams versus Field of Bad, Dreams versus Bad News Sandlot Bears also mentioned tough. in the chat. Yeah. Bad News Bears is a classic. Um, but Rookie Field of, of Dreams year. versus Sandlot's tough for me. Co- uh, you've also got 40, 42, Moneyball, 61. Those are all Money, good ones. Moneyball is the recent one I think is is great. It's such an under- I mean, league. Little Big League, Rookie of the Year. I mean, lots of great options out there, everybody. Rookie of the Year was a classic when I was a kid. The DVD box set of the 2005 World Series, also a classic, <laughs> which I have. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out Predictable ending. I don't know. <laughs> nice. I, uh, I think we gave... Uh, if you don't like relief pitching, watch the 2005 World Series because there wasn't much of it. Yeah. Uh, are we missing any? Uh, I Scout, still, uh, Little Big League. I mean, there's a bunch of them. 
eight men out somebody mentioned uh like I, so i think there's there's different things there's like what is the best movie and which one do you want to watch the most sandlot is the one i would just want to sit down and watch the most but there's probably others that are like quote unquote well, better like, baseball movies yeah, the, natural... the sandlot just reminds me of childhood it's got so many it's lines fun. in it that you remember you know you could almost say that's not really a baseball movie and it's more of like a coming of age kind of movie yeah. you know what i mean ryan like, trying to just it, yeah. No, it's a baseball movie. I'm I'm just saying the whole like, movie's about baseball. It's about baseball. It's about kids. That's yeah. the main thing. It's about friends and kids and being young. I think. Like, The Natural's <laughs> about baseball, and and Field of Dreams is about baseball. That's that's my thing. Field of Dreams is a the love distinction that you're making here. That's is make, I'm just saying, if you want to get into the weeds on it, I can, but you don't want to. That's not fun. No, I, I no, I understand what you're saying, but the same, I, like every I'm not saying movie, it's not, no, I, every movie that comes out has like a deeper underlying. I'm meaning playing no devil's advocate, it. Jared. Would yeah, you just it's go with it? a coming of age? It's you know the the guy, the old coach gets a second chance, like in Hoosiers. You know, like there's the, there's personal stories course, that go through any good movie, but Hoosiers is a basketball movie. Sandlot's a baseball movie, and Wendy Peppercorn is a legend. There we are. All right. Uh, Andrew, what is something outside the box Kevin Warren could do to rebuild his trust in his rebuild trust in his leadership of the Big Ten after the debacles of the last year? Resign. Kick Nebraska out. I mean, I, I could. Get, I'd be willing. To, I'd be willing to send a list of officials that he could ban from doing uh, doing basketball games. That would work. I mean, that would be that would be an option. Uh, Ryan, any any? Okay, but what is something? What is something he could do really? Uh, it's I, tough to know. I, believe, I mean, Joel, Joel, Joel put in the chat resign. So that's that's what I said. I said three times, Joel. <laughs> resign. That's what he could do. Ooh, I like I like uh, Tyler's realignment. Yeah, F- football realignment of the conference. I mean, that's how he could endear himself to IU fans. Uh, yeah, I guess least. that's the thing. Who's he trying to rebuild trust with? Well, he the, needs. Well, the clearly, people that he really IU cares fans. about Ohio State fans. Or Indiana fans. Well, he's already bending over backwards for Ohio State, so I'm not really sure he needs right. to do that. I think the only people who probably feel wronged by his leadership at this point would would potentially be IU fans. So that's where the realignment yeah. potentially comes in. Yeah. All right, uh, Phil Tracy. Yeah, Smith. Joel has a good oh. one. Push, push nil. Yeah, do do some of those things. Do something. Yeah, I, I guess I would I would say do something forward thinking. You know, do something that's outside. It's the Big of the Ten, box. Jared. That's not happening. Well, I know, but if you want to, if you want people to stand up and say, "Oh, okay," like this is a guy with a plan. Yeah, this is a guy who's thinking about something here. You know. Oh, how about going back to eighteen Big Ten games? So you're not playing Big Ten games in early January. I would be f- can, totally fine with that. Yeah, cut it back to sixteen. Who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, New Year. That's when you play the Big Ten games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way it always was. Nobody was complaining. Yeah, Nobody was, was complaining. Yeah, I, people were complaining because of the unbalanced schedule. So it helps the unbalanced make schedule. It less the schedule is still but, unbalanced, though. It's still unbalanced. It is, but but less know? so. I mean, but yeah, fine. Make it eighteen, but it, it, and play them the last week of December, but not early January. Like it makes no sense. There are too many. And, and the thing is, the Big Ten eats itself every year. That it does because they play too many games against each other. I think. All right, from Phil. Tracy Smith was fired in Arizona, which I did not know until I read this question. Would Mercer Arizona, bring it's Arizona State? By well, the way. It, I, I'm just reading what's in here. Uh, it's I in Arizona. It was still the state. 
So, you know, not at Arizona. Uh, would Mercer bring him back as an assistant coach? I, I mean, doubt it. He'll probably get a head coaching job somewhere. I, I would assume I would assume so. That he'd, I mean, there are people there as well. I don't know that you wouldn't bring him back. I think he he's a guy that would have yeah. fond memories of his time at IU, and um, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, it's but great. I saw they they put an oral history out about the um, getting to the College World Series in, in 2013. So, um, yeah, certainly fond memories. I think if they had the opportunity, they would. But I yeah, I, I don't know that it's actually an, an option necessarily. Jared, you, you have to be really head. secure. You have to be really secure in your job as a head coach to bring to back bring a, former a, a previously successful head coach. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, maybe so, after this which, year, maybe maybe you wouldn't. Maybe if this question was asked last offseason, maybe it's a different story. I don't know if the way the season played out this year would would have any bearing on that level of security that you talk about. But yeah, I think. Look, I think Tracy Simmons is going to get another job. So I, I don't. I think it's kind of a moot point. Um, but also, you're right. I mean, it's bringing a former head coach while you're, you know, the head coach is, is always tough, especially if he's been a head coach at your school. Um, but there's a lot of people at Arizona State who are upset that he got fired because they didn't think he was doing that bad a job. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to get another job. He's a he's very well-respected, well-thought-of coach, and he can really recruit. All right, Jonathan, if you could secure funds from the community, who on the current rosters of the men's and women's basketball and, and football team would you help to would you choose to help endorse the assembly call? It's a great question. I think on the on the women's side, I would probably say Grace, Grace Berger. Berger. Yes, hundred percent. Mackenzie Holmes, I think her from a personality standpoint, True. like they did something True. before last year where they had her mic'd up. She seems like she would have fun with whatever it was that you were uh, were doing. But I would those those would be the two that would jump out from the the women's team. Um, football, anybody? Taiwan Mullen is the first one that came to mind for oh, me. Oh, Taiwan Mullen for sure. That's easily, yeah. I think that one's pretty obvious. I think well, Taiwan uh, yeah. Mullen or, or or future Heisman Trophy winner Michael Penix. One of the sure. Two. But you don't want Mike to get injured while you're while you're having him record something. So it's. Oh. <sighs> Why would you say that? How could it's you? true. Why would Come you on. even go there? <laughs> Just could you? Or maybe the guy who decided to transfer from USC because he wanted to play for a real football program. <laughs> you mean the guy who was like sixth on the running back depth? Chart? I don't care. Yeah. I wish Stephen Carr lost. He transferred I, to Indiana. I hope Stephen Carr is healthy this year and does great for Indiana. He had a lot of injuries at, at USC and kind of got buried on the depth chart. He's a good kid. I hope he does very very well at Indiana. I. Would make me very happy both ways. Um, so uh, for basketball, for though, basketball. I mean, Trace is the obvious answer because he's yes. the most high-profile guy. Um, but I, 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 think, I, I, would, I think I would go with Tamar Bates. Yeah, play I was the just long Tamar. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'd go with Tamar Bates because he's got a great personality. He's probably going to be here for a few years. I think I'd roll with. I think I'd roll with Tamar. I agree. All that right. would be my pick. Him or, or Trace, one of the two. Yeah. All right, and Glenn. Trace is going to be too busy working on that right hand and a jump shot to do it, so we'll uh, we'll take it. Yeah, once he's done doing yoga. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, somebody put in the chat, it was Joel put in the chat, Lily King would be the best person. I agree with you, Joel. Best personality. The swimmer, Lily King, to to endorse us. We already have Lily King. I know, but I'm saying if she was going to like do a hardcore campaign for us oh well yeah okay yeah lily king is a legend 
Yes. Well, also, Legend. Also, that was not within the parameter of the question, but that's new. I know. I'm saying if it was any athlete. <laughs> I love Andy's commitment to the yeah. script uh, here. This is the analytical We're making this up. Except, it's with like, the office, what is, except with the office answer. So is, for Andy, sometimes the parameters matter. Sometimes they don't. Uh, I would, the, the end of the series was within the parameters that were given. But the end of the series wasn't as good. Like you, well, the, the middle seasons is what really hooked you. So that's fair. Anyway, all right, Glenn. In an assembly call, host one on one. Is the office team. a show about business, Ryan? Oh, what do you think? No, it's not. It's a love story disguised as a comedy. That's what uh, the office. Okay. Is. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Glenn. Tell me, I could do this all day. Ask call. me any show. Uh, please, I <laughs> have no intention of doing that. Uh, in an assembly call host one-on-one basketball tournament with the first two rounds being Andy versus coach and Ryan versus Jared, who wins the tournament? Oh me. boy. Oh, I'm guys, the, the trash just, talk in that Ryan Jared game would be very unbelievable. You would have the to mic it might, up. The earth might swallow <laughs> the two of us. She's like, shut up. Uh, very well. Mike, uh, I think Mike. I win. I'm the tallest. I got the longest reach. I think I just back everybody down. No, and I'm scrappy quick. and I'm the best shooter. Oh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm, I do. Hmm. See, the best shooter would know. <laughs> so I'm just saying, says. the best shooter would know. Boy, now who wins the Andy Coach matchup? Coach Coach Marlowe on record with Jared over Ryan, Coach over Andy, Coach over Jared in the final. Wow. So. <laughs> okay, but you know he's got he's got confidence in Coach's game. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know. I, uh, I I don't know. I've never never seen Coach play. I would uh, I, I can't I can't really I can't really speak to to what his uh, what his game is like. Who knows? But Ryan says, "Is Gene Steratore the ref, or do you call your own fouls?" I think that'd be great to have Gene Steratore ref a one on one game between me and Ryan. <laughs> that'd be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I honestly have no idea. I uh, it, it it probably would not be me. Um, because I think I, I I think I'm the shortest of all all three of us. So actually, I'm I would need for to sure the shortest of all four of us. Sure. Yeah, same, I, I would need same. a little bit of time to get in shape, so I don't. Oh well, then I know, might be able to win now. Then, so <laughs> die while playing, but give me give me a month. Yeah, what are we what are we playing? Yeah, Coach I, says put a sandwich we, at the rim, and I am unbeatable. <laughs> what are what are we playing to? Might be the real question. If it's a game of endurance, it sounds like you guys are going to be. Uh, it's got to be. You guys going to be. It's got to be eleven. Hey, eleven by ones and twos. <laughs> I'm in shape, like health wise. I just am not in basketball playing shape right now. It's been a long time. I mean, courts have been closed for a long time. You know. Yeah. I know. Uh, uh, but there were a couple Chris, other questions that Chris came asks, in, by the way. who wins on the golf course. I, I would definitely oh eliminate my... Well, maybe... I haven't played in a decade, so... Yeah. There's almost... Well, I, I think that would be a debacle. I would I would say... It'd be um, fun. That would be hilarious. If we were all I would bad, say the breweries providing the beer win in the golf yeah. uh, yes. situation. Heavily. But yeah, I, I don't know. Well, maybe... maybe that could be play, an entertaining day on the golf course. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, you said there's a couple other questions. Yes. Um, Valerie says, what kind of cereal did Ryan have today? Did not have cereal this morning. I oh. uh, did not eat until lunch. Very we're nice. doing a honey. We're on a honey nut Cheerios kick in this house right now, though. It's classic. Yeah. I think I have a drop of you talking about honey nut Cheerios. They're great. Very versatile cereal. Uh, honey nut Cheerios. Yeah, I do. Frosted mini wheats are always good. I enjoy good. good rice krispies. Frosted mini wheats, regular Cheerios, frosted flakes. We got have- all good stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Valerie says, any suggestions on how to decorate a neck brace a la IU? I have to wear this thing until the 25th, or let's say I hope I'm released from this instrument of torture by then. How to decorate a neck brace? Autographs would be one way. Yeah. You can candy stripe it. A nice shawl. Ryan, you're really into crafting. You uh, you probably (laughs) got some good answers for this. Yeah. Bedazzle it, like, with an IU right under the chin, so everybody's looking at it. Yeah. You could get uh, old ticket stubs from IU Artifacts and make mm-hmm. like a, a ticket stub collage. Mm. That would be cool. Coach uh, suggested uh, putting pictures of himself on it. So that would be... Yeah. You could write... You could do... You could make it like the chain needs one sign and say like Valerie needs one on it. Just somebody, somebody suggested in the chat, by the way, not to step on this question that I know you're both enjoying. Somebody suggested doing an uh, assembly called golf outing when we're there and... If we're doing it for charity, I'm there, hundred percent. Miniature presents, or regular golf? <laughs> regular. Let's just say, there, hey, there, we have a lot of fans who like golf. We do. Uh, we could go last, so we're not holding them all. We have up. a lot of fans who like seeing us screw up. So yeah, that would be... we could go dead last. Let everybody else because they're going to have to play through anyway. Let's be real, as we're hitting it all over the world. But I, yeah, for charity, I would one hundred percent embarrass myself playing golf for a good cause. I would too. Uh, here's a good question from Chris. Seriously, will IU basketball have a better season than IU football? Great question. Who finishes higher in the final top 25? IU football or IU basketball? I'm going to go with basketball. That's going to be close, though. I'm going to say football. I just think the football team won't get a lot of doesn't get the respect it deserves. So even if they do have a great season, I just I think they do now, though. I think they're almost like not overhyped, but like they're hyped now. You know, I don't see it. I don't think I don't think they're going to suffer from a lack of respect if they just the other thing. The other thing is this year, and I think the 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 program's on the way up for sure. But I think that this year they're going to suffer from everybody taking serious, taking them more seriously, and so they might come down a little bit from the mountain. But they're building something, so you know maybe come back down to earth a little this year. Still make a bowl and do all that, but not like competing for the Big Ten title. Come back down to earth a little bit. And then, you know, take another step forward the year after. That's, that's kind of the way I see it playing out a little bit. Joel says regarding the golf tournament, you guys don't play just ride around and putt. <laughs> oh, I would do that. <laughs> now we're talking. 100 times out of 100. Bring that beer awesome. to different groups, you know, like deliver. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's probably I, gosh, the, the scenario that I could be most successful on the golf course is what yes. was just described there. So I think so much of it comes down to Penix's health. You know, yeah, obviously, as, of course as so many things do. But I mean, this I mean, this Indiana team has more high level players than yes. any Indiana team I can remember. I mean, like guys who are in the top 10 at their position nationally, Penix, Fry Fogel, Taiwan Mullen, Michael McFadden. I mean, they've got some real guys to to build around and a lot of young talent coming in. So, you know, I think I think both teams are probably going to end up somewhere in like the 18 to 22 range by the end of the season. That's kind of what I think. All right. That's what I think, too. And that's why yeah. I, it's just going to depend. But I guess that's why it's a good question. He wants us to pick. I would say there are fewer unknowns with football because you have the coach in the system. So if I had to pick, I would pick football. Um, basketball, it seems like there's a wider variance of potential yeah. outcomes. Again, I agree. Yeah. All right. Any others that uh, trickled in after? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
All right. So one might say. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday or sooner if any news breaks. Until then. Take it from me, Freddie Max Wayne Jr. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim. And man, go up and dunk the ball. Go Hoosers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I like everything about that. All right. All right. So now we should really open up the AMA floodgates and take live questions from the chat mob. Oh, boy. I got a couple minutes. So because uh, pizza's coming, but. All right. Uh, well, let's do it. if we're going to do, do that, then we, we, we definitely need to do that. Got to play the music. When the show is over, but there's more to be said. Pour yourself a drink now. Put the kitties to bed. It's time to cut loose. No more censored remarks. So cozy up, chat mob. It's time for AC after Uh, I mean, it's awesome seeing you guys, but the real reason I made the push to be here tonight was so I could hear that song live. Yeah, I mean, I've replayed it every day over the past week since <laughs> the Titus show. It's amazing. Uh, okay, so throw out. If you guys have any questions, throw them out. Any fun questions, you can make them about anything you want. There was one question that came in, I think I saw. Maybe not. Coach said, Dan, there's no, no chasing Mrs. Tonsoni tonight. Well, soon, Coach. Let's see. Uh, Patrick wants to know, Andy, why have you ignored my LinkedIn request? You even looked at my profile. Andy. I, I, look, I usually look geez. at that. I likely will not recognize the names of if it's somebody who like watches the show. So I would probably look and see. I don't have any other like connections in common with this person and then just dismiss it. Because typically, if that's the case, it's somebody who wants me to wants to sell me something. Uh, for work, so I will I will rectify that now, Patrick. My my sincerest apologies. I actually wow. feel like that's the second person that has uh, that has has said something to me about not responding to stuff on LinkedIn, which I'm not on all that often anyway. But uh, I get the email updates and just don't look at them for weeks at a time. So yes, I don't even so. know why I'm on. I mean, Ryan, I can totally see being a LinkedIn totally. Snob. Andy, yeah, Andy. He's so Midwestern. He's really changed since he became top 25 warm. in the bracket matrix. Yeah. Well, he ignores LinkedIn is, profile requests well, now. The worst part is I don't even see it on here anymore, which is probably even worse. Um, You're just going to have to search all 3,000 yeah. Patrick Kents out Absol- there. Absolutely. I will uh, I will figure it out. You guys talk amongst yourselves while I uh, while I figure this out. Uh, let's He's in see Cincinnati. Here. That'll help you. Thanks, buddy. What will be IU football season record? Eight, uh, eight wins sounds... Yeah, eight wins sounds about right to me. Eight win, Indiana. 
Will pitchers caught doctoring baseballs be eligible for the Hall of Fame? God. Just put Probably. everybody in the Hall of Fame. It's a museum. Let their stories be told. I don't like they're in, they're not. Yes, guys doctoring the ball will be eligible for the Barry Hall of Bond Fame. should be in the Hall of Fame. I just don't like Barry Bonds, so I'm going to disagree with you there, but it has nothing to do with steroids. He's just a horrible person. I mean, yeah, but he was also <laughs> like the most important baseball player for a decade. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I, I will say about 60 years of that decade, he was as juiced as anyone in the history of sports has ever of been. Of course he was. He was Did also you read awesome Game of Shadows? That. Did you read no. Game of Shadows? You should. No. You should read that. You would like it. Yeah. You, you would mean, like the reporting uh, in it. It's it's no, interesting. Yeah, and I get a lot of these guys aren't good guys, and they may have cheated to get there. So I don't like it's not without its negatives. No, I'm kidding about him not being a good. Like guy. I don't I don't I, like that cheaters would get in there, but I would say I, okay. Barry, see, here's here's the thing about Barry Bonds and why it's different with Bonds is to some of these guys, Barry Bonds took it to a ridiculous level where everybody watching him was like, he's not even a human being anymore. Like. Yeah. He got. I mean, he like, was like one of the. He was like what Daryl Strawberry turned into in the Simpsons, the Homer at the. Yes, back, I felt like it was. No, it was uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Was oh, the Ken Griffey gigantic. Jr. Yeah, no, it, it was like he he looked like he was built like an offensive lineman, like and he was you know and his thing he had been a skinny he'd been Ken Griffey Jr. and then he became a football player. I mean, there's certain things like his hat size got bigger and his feet yeah. began to grow again. Like he took it to a level. That was ridiculous. I would say this. Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame before Barry Bonds because Barry Bonds made a mockery of that whole thing. Now, Pete Rose needs to apologize first, which he'll never do, which never going to happen. But Barry Bonds made a joke of the whole thing, whereas everybody else like took them, but like kept it within a certain limit. I mean, some guys didn't. Mark McGuire became enormous same as Silas became enormous. and yet people were still fascinated by Barry Bonds and they he sold out stadiums him. and he was such an important player so that's what I mean like I don't I'm just not all I think about the moralizing when, I don't not, I don't like all the moralizing when we get to the Hall of Fame that's put fair. him in the museum because it's about the stories somebody you said know? his plaque should be in the men's room above the urinals at least he'd be in the Hall of Fame I was like you know what I that'd be cool if there were Fine. plaques in there yeah you can put the cheaters Reason in their own special being. wing yeah, yeah. Anyway, the special um, cheaters wing. I like it. Yeah, and make it the make it the bathroom. That's fine. I'm good with it. Let's see here. What else? Does Trace increase his draft stock enough in one year with Coach Woodson to get picked in the first round of the NBA draft? No, no, not the first. I would round. say he can get to the high second round. Yeah, I don't think he can get to the first round. He's got to shoot. Yeah, got to be able to shoot. Um, we got a lot of yes to Pete Rose people in the chat. Big Ten Freshman of the Year predictions. I don't think Tamar Bates will win it, but I think he'll be no. first team All Big Ten or all, first first team freshman All Big Ten. Michigan State's Mich got a good one. Michigan has uh, Max Christie. Michigan Michigan's a got a few couple highly rated ones. The guy from the guy from Nebraska might be the safe money because he's probably going to get the most he's opportunities. Gonna, he's going to put up ridiculous numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, a lot of guys with Pete Rose. <laughs> How do you get drops from former players for transitions? Uh, so some of those we got on Cameo. We just paid them on Cameo. Other guys I just reached out to on like Twitter DMs and got them from them there. And then others, like as we start doing interviews, then we'll start getting them that way. Like I got one from Brian Evans, but I haven't used it yet because I haven't hosted it in a while. Yeah, Titus gave us one for free during his show. Oh, he did another one? Good. No, no, no. no. The no. time that he was oh, on yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he gave us the... the we just asked him and he's like, yeah, sure. 
Yeah. Uh, let's see tomorrow. Yeah, I think Chris says I think TJD will sneak into one of the last spots for the first round. You guys going to pay the, Woody on cameo? So I thought about that when I saw Woodson on there, but I don't want to. I actually that. just asked that question in our private chat. Yeah, I don't want to do that no, because that just seems weird. To, to it just seems we're weird. covering him and then have him endorsing us. Yeah, because he may not want to endorse a show that inevitably is going to be critical of something that he does, like yeah. when he sits someone with two fouls in the first half and does completely play. fair. Yeah, <laughs> I, just hypothetically what we course, might criticize Jared, hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically Chris says why does Quinn Buckner not like Steve Alford why does everybody not like Steve Alford there we are <laughs> uh, Richie Boy. says Jerry can you get Damon or Calvert for an interview actually I tried to get Damon once and wasn't able to connect he doesn't do a ton of them yeah he doesn't do a lot of interviews I've interviewed him uh, after basketball games when he was coaching at Bedford North Lawrence several nice. times he was a good nice. guy you know what was interesting was uh Sitting um, sitting with him after I was done with the interview about the game and just talking a little bit. Of course, it was we were talking basketball. It was it was it was fun to do that. It's kind of funny. Today I was listening to the Dallas radio station and they were talking about how uh so Nikola Jokic won the MVP. And he's like one of the few white guys to win the MVP in the NBA. And the last American-born white guy to win the MVP was Larry Bird. Yep. And so they asked something else. Steve Nash like, is from America Jr. It's I mean, that's close enough, right? Yeah, but it's, they started to – someone asked the question like, wait, you know, no one else has, has won it since then? And the guy's like, well, who else would have won it since then? And they, they started like just throwing out like all these random white basketball players. And Damon Bailey was one of the guys that they threw out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Didn't win cut. it. That guy, that guy knows his basketball, though. Um, That's funny. Let's see. With the added depth, do you Luka's think some of one. TJD's stats drop? Maybe a little. But I don't, I don't really think so. I mean, he was, what, 19-9 and nine last year? I think that's perfectly reasonable. We'll probably play at a faster pace, so he'll have more opportunities. We'll probably get more transition buckets. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to have to rebound because that's kind of the one thing that we don't... I was going to say we don't have a ton of it. I mean, you still have race, you know, and you got Michael Durr. Well, so I, don't, I think Trace's stats will be relatively similar. Well, here's the thing. His number, his overall numbers might drop a little because the talent around him has gotten better, but his efficiency is going to go through the roof, I think. I think, and, and quite frankly, that's more important than whatever your raw numbers are. As we said, the guy who's the, the freshman at Nebraska, whose name I have forgotten now, he's going to put numbers through the roof, but I doubt he's very efficient because he's going to be using every possession. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll you'll relearn his name when he's in the transfer portal after he is ready to leave Nebraska. So that, that'll be fine. He'll have a chance then. Or the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. If, as I use are, you could have made one coaching change at any time post-night firing, who would it be for and when? To go get, you mean? Jared, what year Jared, what year would you have hired Tony Bennett? That's really a different way to word this question. <laughs> whenever he's Whenever he's available. You get Tony Bennett. He and keeps saying no. Enjoying the Virginia success that they've had. <laughs> um, I'm sure everybody would argue, right? Because the offense isn't isn't. I would have fought. I would have no, fired but... Jerry Donardo earlier to hire Coach Hep. Hmm. That's what I would have done. It was too. We didn't get long enough with Coach Hep. That's what I'll say. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. 
Yeah, there were some games. That was when we still had season tickets. There were some games I would have fired Donardo in the middle of the in the middle of the game. I feel like he but. taught the football coaching class at IU. My friend took it. He's like, he came home from class one day. He's like, I know more about football than Jerry Donardo. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. Uh, Joel wants to know what's on Ryan's pizza. Uh, extra cheese tonight. Didn't feel like a whole lot of toppings. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes go with sausage, sometimes pepperoni, you know. Oh, wow. Ryan says for me it would be fire Davis in 2004 and hire Thad Mata. Mm, that's hmm. a good one. I would have covered Mata's first year as IU head coach then. Would there year. ever have been an opportunity to fire the current coach and get and get Brad Stevens like early in the Butler tenure? Maybe, but I think Crean... He wasn't really as high profile then. Yeah. Because you couldn't do it once he got big at Butler because Crean was kind of doing okay. Yeah. And you had hmm. just invested in Crean too, big time. Yeah. So, yeah. There was yeah. Really I, like, because people always say that they should have gotten him when he was at Butler. And it's like, I don't think the timelines ever really worked out for that. I mean, you could have just canned a guy who looked like he was going to be successful at IU. You could have done that, but. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. Good to be back on here with you, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. should I? You put names on the back of the jerseys. Yes. I, my gut says no right now, but I could always change on that. I like how the clean the jerseys look without names. I just like that. I don't know. It's not about a tradition thing with me. I say no. I think. To oh, say yeah. No, I, I would prefer that they not do it, but I think they should because I think it matters to the people who are deciding if they're going to come play basketball at Indiana. Wait, here's what I, I'll I wonder say. how much is some it, of the NIL stuff like contributes to that though. Like I, I, I would say in the near term, I, I guess if you were doing it from the standpoint of, of who's coming, like maybe you would, but as a, someone who's probably trying to bridge the gap between being a traditionalist and letting some of that happen, I would say no. And, and say that there the NIL maybe presents other opportunities for people to kind of get their name out there by using those images and things like that. But, Here's what I'll say about it. I think basketball, it's easier to say no because there's so few players on the team that people learn the numbers. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the like USC doesn't have names on their football jerseys. And I get why people would be like, you, and they never have. And I get why people would be like, you should put them on the football jerseys because there's a lot of guys on the team that use the same number, yeah. the offense and defense and things like that. So it makes more sense from a football standpoint. Now, USC will never put names on their jerseys, it's a tradition thing going all the way back to the beginning. But Indiana with basketball, it's like people who are watching, you need to know 12 players. Like, you know their numbers, you know, by game three. So that's that's why I think it won't, it, you know, it's not as imperative as people think. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the coming years, that may change. Players may demand it. What will be the first school that puts Twitter handles on the back of jerseys? Kentucky. It's my guess. Hmm. All right. I got to go, folks. This was lovely. As Enjoy always. the pizza. I always thought Andy would be the first one to have a pizza delivered during a show because Chat Mob it's Chad happened. It's had happened that before. fantasy for many years. I know. All uh, right, everybody. Have a good night. Happen. All right. To to circle back to the first question, See you, Patrick, send me, re, resend me something or <laughs> message me somewhere. I can't. I can't find it, and I can't find you because there are many Patrick Kents, and then when I put in Ohio, that did not really help all that much. So, And then don't try to sell him anything. <laughs> Absolutely. 
I'm telling you, the, the number of 90%, probably 95% of the stuff I get on there is all somebody, oh, we'd really like to come and do something for your company and whatever else. And it's like, yeah. So I just kind of turned I shouldn't talk. I haven't thing. even logged into LinkedIn in months. See, there you go. Right. Probably should. Yeah. Maybe it's you right, who hasn't responded to Patrick's request. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm raising my hand again. Goodbye. Right. We already Goodbye. said bye to you. <laughs> he like right. he needs us to like formally acknowledge. Uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, all right. I gotta I gotta run too. But all right. Uh, good seeing you. See thanks y'all. for uh, thanks, thanks for, for having for joining me on your us. Show. Thanks everybody. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks everybody. Have See a good uh, have a good week. You're the kind of person who makes a difference at work. So why not work on something that makes a difference? At Zooks, we're looking for collaborative, inquisitive people who can help us achieve our mission. Safer, cleaner, more enjoyable mobility for everyone. Come build the future at Zooks. Find out more at zoox.com slash careers. We know a three-digit number doesn't tell your story. That's why every Progressive Leasing approval is no credit needed. Shop your favorite stores with Progressive Leasing to get what you need, such as furniture, laptops, headphones, jewelry, mobile phones, appliances, mattresses, and more. Progressive Leasing obtains information from credit bureaus. Not all applicants are approved. Progressive Leasing offers lease-to-own purchase options, acquiring ownership by leasing costs more than the retailer's cash price. Visit progleasing.com to get started today.